Hello and welcome to the New Moon Tarot reading for the new moon that will fall tomorrow, Wednesday the 2nd of March at 5.35pm UK time. I am recording this um, just over 24 hours before the time. And recording this really at a time in the world that is going through some very rapid and unpredictable changes and some very large changes, um, and for some people larger than others. Also, I'd like to point you in the direction of an article that I've referred to several times in um, previous New Moon Tarot readings, and that is an article called Your Intuition Does Not Use a Whip. And um, and actually, it might be something that is well worth going to read, whether you're reading it for the first time or going back to it, because it really says something incredibly valuable about that connection that we can have to that part of us inside us that is able to, to tap us into a sense of knowing and a greater sense of calm and peace. I'm now going to go on to the reading. Please do skip ahead to the... Um, to the timestamps if they're available. They should be in most of the players that you're using if you don't want to listen to the introduction where I explain my reading approach. But otherwise, if you're still here, um, the way that I read is it is nearly always a three card reading and I have the cards already shuffled face down in front of me. I will be reading them, turning them over one at a time and the first card is always the foundation card, and that suggests something that has already happened, whether that's in the distant past or the near past or both, but it is in some way paving the way then for card number two, which is the current theme. And this will be a theme that you will be facing in the coming month, and it may be something that is um, major in terms of the fact that it takes up a lot of space and time in your life, or it may be something that is less major but is significant in terms of your own development, in terms of your own experience of life and of yourself. So it, if it is not, if it's, don't discount it if it's um, not taking up a lot of headspace, because sometimes the things that um, that take up least headspace are the ones that are worth paying attention to because very often if you're if you're focused on something else it can be a very convenient diversion from looking at the truth of something that is um, that really takes a little bit more of a reach to get to that's card number two and that's the main theme and then card number three is the agency card and that is the card where you can meaningfully in a very personal way interact with card number two because of course card number one being the foundation means it's already happened there's very little if nothing that we can do to have an effect on that the theme itself um to me suggests something that we do not have much control over directly but the agency card is where we are able to bring meaning in in a more personal and directed way and so without further ado i will get to the reading itself as i said in the introduction i have shuffled i've um, cut the deck and i've dealt out three cards and they are face down in front of me and the first card in this reading, which is the foundation card, so remember this is something you are coming in with already, whether it's happened in the near past or the distant past or both, is the Princess of Wands. 
Now, the Princess of Wands is is um, a court card that hasn't come up, I think, for a very, very long time. Um, it's interesting when I when I get a court card or any card actually that hasn't come up for a while. I wonder what new things are afoot. Because if you have been listening to the New Moon reading for any length of time, you'll know that there are certain cards um, that tend to come up in a kind of series or, or certain cards that are linked that come up in a series. And the Princess of Wands, to me, is one that feels somewhat new. Um, of course, given it's the foundation card, it's something that you're going to be familiar with. But it might be something that is... Um, that is the next step or the next new experience that um, that is um, being paved the way for. And the princess is the initiatory card in the court cards. So in this deck, the princess, but in the um, Waite Smith deck, for example, that is the page. Now, these are very important cards, the princess and the page, because they they really explain the genesis of that particular suit as it's expressed in human form. Yes, they will very often traditionally refer to a young person. Um, and um, that, that idea of youth can be anything from a, a child to, to maybe sort of like um, an adolescent. But it also refers to a frame of mind. Because it's the genesis of something, the start of something, the initiating of something, it is also the idea of beginner's mind. So that can be something that we have inside of all of us. And in fact, we have the inner child inside of all of us as well. So, so I would suggest that this is, in some way, the um, the beginner's mind or the inner child to do with the suit of wands in yourself. Now, this may well also be reflected outside of you in another person or perhaps in a situation, though the, the situation will probably be connected to a princess of wands kind of person. But those will ultimately reflect something in you. And so this is the initiatrix of fire, she is um, the responsible person for bringing fire into the psyche's self-awareness. Another way of putting this is really the, the beginner's mind that is willing to take a risk, a creative risk. Um, now, the idea of taking a creative risk is almost said from the point of view of an adult because to the Princess of Wands, it's not a risk. It's simply what she does. Um, and of course, I'm referring to Princess as a she, but it, it, it can refer to anyone. It's just that the Princess is the yin aspect of a yang wands energy. And so it might look risky from the outside, but this is, this is what the Princess of Wands, this is what she is for. It's, um, she would not consider it a risk. She would not probably consider it anything. There probably isn't much thinking going on on the side of the Princess of Wands, and that is entirely in keeping with, with the suit and with the um, energy of the suit. This is not a thinking card. This is a spontaneous, fiery doing card. 
It is um, a card of unselfconsciousness. It is a card of rapturousness, of joy, but it has an innocence to it because, of course, this is the princess. It's this idea of beginner's mind. Yes, the princess here is dressed up in in um, stockings and, you know, a, a G-string and she's bare-breasted. I, you know, you can definitely see what Karl Rohrig's uh, predilections are. But in some way, this is also about she's not doing this for anyone else. It may be um, the kind of outfit that that um, is associated with voyeurism. But I don't when I'm looking at the card, I don't feel like a voyeur looking at the card. She is in her own world. She is in a sort of rapturous embrace of the of the wand but in a way that is that is really not, doesn't care about what's going on around her. And again, the idea of not caring means that she's even aware of what's going on around her. She isn't. Um, I, I get the, the strongest sense of the fact that this really is a kind of ecstatic delight in, in what she is able to do. And if you look at her hair, um, it kind of spills out around her almost like a cloak. And then there is um, the tiger that is there in in the hair, coming out in the hair, that very feline, um, very powerful. Um, a tiger is, is one of the, if not the most powerful of the big cats. So, so while the princess is young, there is an incredible amount of power in what she wields. And um, and I'm pretty sure that I wrote about the younger wands court cards as being um, the idea of the sorcerer's apprentice. Um, there is there is a wonder and delight in being able to take something and work with it. In this case, when Mickey Mouse is working, um, when the sorcerer's um, away, working with magic. Um, the danger is, of course, that you work with something that is then, um, the potential is for it to run away with you because there isn't enough experience. However, there is um, an amount of risk and daring that needs to happen, I think, in order for creative endeavours to come about in the first place. And then, of course, it needs perhaps an older figure like the sorcerer to arrive, you know, and, and save the day just in time. But um, but without that venturing out and without that creativity and that fire and that curiosity, because there is a curiosity sort of, oh, I wonder what this does if I do this, or I wonder if it's possible to do that, that there isn't anything that is um, going to happen. There's nothing that's going to be achieved. There's a Promethean feel to this. And, um, and the Princess of Wands is reveling in the delight of this ability to wield this wand in a way that feels incredibly powerful. But it is for herself. It is for her own delectation. It is, it is self-directed. It is inwardly directed. So if I go and look at the writing on the card, this is what I can see. Optimism, free of fear, enlarged perception. And you can see with the wand going into her third eye and her eyes are closed. So this perception is not to do with what is going on in the world outside and around her. It is to do with, it's not simply about navel gazing either. That's not it. It's the perception of the world through different eyes. And that is that intuitive 
sense that I was talking about, you know, when your intuition does not use a whip, your intuition is there to empower you with information and knowledge and um, not to do um, a one-upmanship either on you or someone else, but simply it is information. It is there to serve. And that, um, that idea of enlarged perception is to be able to see beyond what is immediately there in the physical world, be able to see or read between the lines to know what's going on under the surface. The Princess of Wands, I'm pretty sure, is, is probably not able to explain why she does this or how she does it or the, or the theory behind it. That's not it. She just simply does it. That is who she is. Again, it's, it's, it's almost she is inseparable from what it is that she does. She is a quality. So it's this beginner's mind quality in us that trusts to the fact that there is an inner knowing that really is a current that runs through us. This is wands. This is not swords. This is not intellectual. It is, um, it is a current that runs through us, that also runs through the whole of life, that then therefore connects us not only into ourselves, but into life itself as well. And that we are able to draw upon to get different kinds of information. And not information simply to be self-serving, because, because intuition isn't particularly self-serving. That's more like guile or cunning or, you know, or intellect or something like that. It is just simply something that serves the self, not self-serving with a small s for self, but self-serving with a capital S for self, that idea of the soul. And what serves the self also benefits others. And there is something here about that ability to be connected inside that really is um, vital in, in all of its senses, as in it's vital because it's incredibly important, but also it is alive. And when we are able to do this, what happens is that there is a kind of chain reaction that sets off, that other people around us are able to do that as well. There is um, that idea of the, this idea of the hundredth monkey, where um, if you go and read up about it, that that when you reach a, a kind of tipping point in terms of something that is adopted in the psyche or in one's sort of own understanding um, that, is, that is based on a sort of instinctual or intuitive drive, um, it is picked up by others around. Um, it doesn't have to be communicated through speech. You know, it, it doesn't have to be, oh, this is what's happening and this is what you have to do. There is a there is a um, a sense of that ability to be able to connect in and be that princess of wands kind of figure in your own life for yourself that is electric enough to sort of work as a current that then works around and through the people around you and therefore spreads outwards. Um, it sounds like it's sort of more of a, a, a moralizing thing, which is definitely not it. There's no particular strategy to it either. It's a technique. It is a technique of being able to connect in to some other form of information. And that other form of information, I can only speak personally because obviously I've only been inside my own body in my own life, but it has been incredibly valuable to me in countless ways working with intuition. It, it always flummoxes me that people who, who don't really pay much attention to intuition or who actively shun intuition as being something that um, is 
is ridiculous or just um, some kind of woo. And it, it flummoxes me that they think that way, particularly when it has been so valuable um, in my own life. And of course, your own connection with your own intuition in the way that the Princess of Wands is is doing this is going to be something that is equally valuable to you, but in a different way and will be entirely personal. But it's the ability to do that that somehow is able to be translated to others. And, you know, when you see you feel that somebody's on your wavelength, well, that's that's kind of intuitive in, in many ways. And and this is really about getting onto your own wavelength and being able to, um, perhaps for the first time, in a very meaningful and, um, and conscious way, understand that there is a reserve inside you that is able to be tapped, that is very useful. And because it is wands, it is not emotional. Emotions may come from it, but it's not. It, this goes back to my article, your intuition does not use a whip. It, it doesn't, it, is, it precedes emotion. It is simply a neutral knowing. So in the recent past, or in the far past, but this will also have come up recently, there has been an occasion or a thread through your life where intuition and the the discovery of it, or the rediscovery of it rather, has become um, a key player in your life in some way. It is about understanding, even if it's just an inkling of what it is that you are able to connect into inside yourself that then will pave the way and stand you in good stead for um, card number two, which I'm going to come to very shortly. But what I would say is that the Princess of Wands is facing off to the left while she is bending back to the to the center. So in the recent past, you have had an experience of connecting in to intuition and, and maybe this card is coming up because perhaps what you have not realized was that that was intuition, that that knowing or that moment of um, perhaps a shift in gears where um, you felt like there was a, a sort of like you changed depth in terms of how you related to yourself or to life um, is um, where you felt that, but you couldn't quite understand what that was or why. And the Princess of Wands is very clearly indicating that this is um, the tapping into an energy source that really is very, very powerful and, and one that you can continue to use. It, it's a bit like a muscle. You need to practice with it. Very often what we think is intuition isn't. Um, but, but when it happens, when intuition happens itself, there is an absolute knowing. It's when you doubt it that that perhaps, you know, maybe that's when your emotions or your thoughts are overlaying it. So look back at a time in your recent past where, um, and you may be able to pinpoint it pretty quickly, but where um, the Princess of Wands has really stepped forward in your life within you to show you how it is that you have this, you have this um, formidable tool at your disposal that you can that you can use in a way that really serves you and then by extension serves others but that's secondary and so the princess of wands paves the way for the current theme for this month and then the theme obviously just has its influence going as far into the future as as you want it to go it will always have an influence but obviously its influence is going to be um 
much more current over the next four weeks or so, and that is the Empress. So we have a court card and we have a major arcana card and a personal one of the major arcana cards as well. So the Empress being number three in the majors is one of what I would say is that is one of the more personal um, personal majors in as much as as when you move through the majors, they go from personal to sort of impersonal to transpersonal. There is something about the development of the psyche and then the um, the ego realizing that it is not in control, which is roundabout cards 12, 13, 14, 15, to then understanding that the ego needs to make way for something that is not only um, impersonal inside the self or inside you, which is the self, but something that is connected to everything else. And, and the Empress is so therefore about a personal aspect of one's own self as it is developing. But at the same time, there is a parallel meaning with the Empress, which is, of course, the idea of Mother Nature, too. So let's talk about those two different things and then see what, what that throws up. So the Empress in terms of Mother Nature is the idea of cycles. I've spoken about this quite a lot. But it's, it's worth repeating again, particularly for those of you who are new to the New Moon reading, that she rules over every kind of natural cycle that there is. So whereas the emperor's domain is the human realm with human rules and regulations and about sort of staking one's claim and um, staking out the ground and putting one's flag in the ground and then defending that flag, the empress, and that sort of throws things up for me immediately in terms of that. The Empress is about natural laws, about natural cycles. So it is anything from the changing of the seasons to the menstrual cycles, to the, the tides, to the cycles of the moon, which of course are connected to the tides, to the planets going around the sun, to our solar systems, you know, to the, um, to the galaxy, to universes. She is the entire world, not just the one that exists on this planet, though, of course, that's going to be something that's of more immediate relevance to most of us. So natural cycles, natural world. She is a powerful archetype in that way because natural cycles will have their way, one way or the other. Um, there is the idea of the empress is the idea of, of birth so there's that idea of mother as well. It's not just earth mother, but mother. Um, birth, and then death, and then rebirth. It is that entire system of birth, death, rebirth, and the, the value that each one of those stages holds. But of course, yes, it goes in a cycle. It is a circle. So you cannot have one without the other. And um, and so in order to the Empress almost in at the beginning of the deck holds um, the entire rest of the of the deck in in that idea of birth, death, rebirth, because, of course, then you've got death as in the you know, card number 13 and then rebirth, which is um, card number 20, which is judgment and then, or the judgment in this deck, and then the world, which is then the starting of a new cycle. So the empress is, is almost presaging or foretelling 
an imprint of what it is that the mages is all about, that birth, the death and the rebirth. Now, of course, the birth, death and rebirth, for example, through the seasons. So you've got spring, summer, birth and then autumn, winter, death and then rebirth back into spring. It has a kind of that idea of something really dying back quite physically. There's a physical death. And of course, the empress works through that as well. But the empress also works with the idea of things dying back as in um, ebbing. So a tide doesn't die when it when it sort of moves away from the shore. It is just um, the sea isn't dying. It is just simply pulling back in order to pull forward again. So there is a particular ebb and flow. But without that ebb, there wouldn't be the flow. So without that, there wouldn't be the tides. And without that, there wouldn't be there are it just, you know, life would not exist the way it does on Earth. So um, so it really is about looking at at the cycles of things and the wisdom that is inherent in the things that are possibly ones that we don't particularly like as much. For example, I am a summer person. I'm a spring summer person. I, um, I'm a Leo. I'm a fire sign. I like the sun. I don't necessarily want to lie down in it and cover myself in suntan lotion, um, but I do want to know that it, when I look out the window that I can see it and I know that if I step outside it's going to be warm. I do not like it when the leaves fall off the trees. I do not like it when it goes into winter. But I am starting to appreciate that, of course, without that, there isn't the sun again in, in spring. Um, and that not only that, that there is an appreciation of why we have an autumn and a winter too. So the Empress is um, is a non-judgmental um, and and almost disinterested, not uninterested, disinterested, disconnected. In other words, there is, she has no favorites in terms of the cycles because she is the cycles. There is a wisdom in all of them. This is the, the natural world. It is about connecting in with the natural world. And it'll be interesting to see how the Princess of Wands and the Empress sort of play out in terms of the ways that they interact with each other. But I'm just going to delve into the Empress a little bit more by going to the writing on the card, which says energy. So that immediately links her to the Princess of Wands and then development and evolution and fertility and success and initiative. I think it's initiative, though... I think that's been spelt incorrectly, Carl. And then an eye for the details. <clears throat> so we won't go further than that about the eye for the details and the spelling of initiative. There is that eye for the details, which is very much an, an, an incredibly good partner for intuition. And then the idea of um, development and energy. So this is about flexing that intuitive muscle. Um, and that idea of evolution, fertility, and success. Now, for me, the way that the Princess of Wands and the Empress works is that, that intuition is very much um, a, an embodied experience. It might be one's energy which is, um, is paradoxically disembodied in as much as it's an energetic experience, but it is the body that is the instrument in which it is felt. So intuition um, may come to you sort of straight into your mind, but very often it is accompanied with a bodily sensation. It's not the kind of um, sensations that accompany emotions. It's not the same thing. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a sensation that's quite difficult to describe, but we have bodies as almost tuning forks 
that um, then tune us into intuition. And I feel that the more embodied that we are, the more that we can acknowledge that we have a body, can accept that we have a body, can love that we have a body, can inhabit our bodies, the more that we not just inhabit them, but, you know, fully be in them as much as you can. And, and believe you me, that is no easy task for many of us. And it can sometimes take a very long time to even get to the stage where we feel comfortable in our bodies. But the, the more that we're able to do that, the more that we really have that formidable instrument of intuition, because it does go very much hand in hand. And if you look at the Princess of Wands, she is incredibly embodied. She is, um, and it is not, it is not, as I said, in, you know, when I was talking about her, for anyone else but herself. Yes, she might be nice to look at for certain people, but, um, but, it is, but she's not really particularly concerned with that at all. This is about her being able to work with that kind of energy. And you work with that kind of energy, not only by being embodied, but by understanding natural laws as well. And that is a synergistic kind of partnership that there is, that natural laws and intuition are coming from the same place. Now, from my perspective, very much because I'm, I'm a student of Jung, I, I don't always agree with him, but, but you know, I mean, I, I, I do think, and his ideas weren't necessarily original, by the way, but it was the way that he described them that I think was quite original. But the idea of intuition is very much linked in to the um, primordial body, the instinct, the instinct that lies pre-language, not pre-verbal in as much as, you know, that we can feel something before we before it comes to us in thoughts, but something that is so primordial that it that it is it is in our instinct. Is it the amygdala? I think it might be the amygdala in our brain that is the lizard brain. I could be wrong. Could be absolutely wrong with that. I'm not a biologist. Um, but but the psychoid is intimately connected with intuition. And and the psychoid is also the realm of the empress because it is that primordial part of us that is connected in with the ancientness of our roots and of the world. And so it is to understand, I think, that um, that uh, quote that's at the beginning of Steve Vai's Passion and Warfare album, that I think was said by Dave, David Coverdale, we may be human, but we are still animals. And he may also be quoting somebody else in that, I'm not sure. But I remember the first time I heard that, that, that really shook me. We may be human, but we are still animals. And, um, and the Empress is very much about linking into that animal nature, not, um, not being mistrustful of it, neither degrading it or belittling it because it is in some way inferior, because by doing that, we are ignoring just how much we are driven by that animal nature. And we can see that playing out in the world all around us, and particularly now, and particularly over the last few years in terms of um, being run by emotions, being run by, um, by very, very um, basic needs, which are not to be scoffed at because they are needs, but also run by very, um, very basic emotions, by the emotions of survival. And um, even if, if we're not in a situation of survival, that survival instinct kicks in. So, you know, it's, it's survival at, at all costs, even when that isn't actually necessarily the truth of a situation. And I think that the Empress is able to, in some way, guide us back into the wisdom of what's going on in our bodies now, 
as well as helping us to understand why our bodies are the way that they are, and to help us acknowledge that there are drives inside us that are as old as the hills, that are um, not necessarily intuitive in nature, but rather more instinctual. Intuition and instinct are linked, but not exactly the same thing. Um, and uh, that's a discussion for another time, but, but there is a distinction for me, at least, between intuition and instinct. And that to be able to, to know it is to be able to discern and to understand that there are forces at play um, in the world, but in ourselves and in the collective, in our collective psyches, that can sometimes be incredibly powerful incredibly powerful, primordial, based on instinct. And that is where the empress is something that can link us in, because when we are able to do that, when we have an eye for the details, when we are able to make a certain kind of discernment, when we at least bring awareness to what it is that we are, human and animal, then we are able to look at things where perhaps the animal runs away with us or to look at us where the human runs away with us and we deny one or the other at any particular time. And one of the things that Jung talks about often, it's really at the, it's at the core of all of his work, is that polarization that can happen where we choose one side or the other. Everything's either black or it's white. You know, the danger is that when we try and compensate for something, we end up swinging the other way. Um, and that actually the, the more adult, the more individuated way of seeing things, even if it's more difficult and more challenging and really quite, um, it's quite a challenge to endure it, is to understand that there are shades of gray everywhere. There is no such thing as black and white. There really isn't. And, and that, can, that can seem like a, um, a really um, quite risky thing to say sometimes, that there is no black and white. There are only shades of gray. Um, and that doesn't mean that you don't come down on the side of one thing or another or make a decision one way or the other, but it is that eye for details that helps us to understand and discern what it is about us, the dual nature of who it is that we are, you know, that we have the yang and we have the yin, you know, the wands and then the empress. You know, the empress is Venus. She's also, you know, so the goddess of love. But Venus is also the, the sign of the seductress as well. She can, um, she can be um, self-serving in a way. Um, she can she can work to undo things rather than to allow things to grow or to unite things. Um, and that is going on inside our bodies too. It's about working with the balance between the two, about working with and not and not um, saying, well, I'd prefer to be this way, but I don't want to be that way. So I'm going to look that way, but I'm not going to look behind me because I don't really want to acknowledge that these are aspects of myself as well. I want to concentrate on the human bit. I don't want to concentrate on the animal bit, you know, that kind of thing. Um, it's actually being able to work with all of this. And, um, and when we are able to, in some way, um, we can't encompass the Empress, that we can't encompass major arcana cards. 
But when we are able to accept nature in all her cycles, nature and life itself in all of its variations, then I think that we have a much better chance of being able to tap into a knowing that that isn't driven one-sided against the other, that isn't particularly favoring one thing and then ignoring the other thing. In other words, that we are actually tapped into our intuition, which is not moral. It is amoral. It lies outside morals. It is not prescriptive. It doesn't split things into black and white. It's simply just a voice. And some people hear it as a voice and some people have a sensation or an impression or just a a feeling it, you know, a sort of knowing. But it doesn't take a particular political stance, nor does it take a moral stance. It just simply is. And that's what the Empress is as well. Simply is and always has been. And this is really that development of that. And and because she is coming up in as the you know, number three in the in the major arcana, this is really about getting to grips with also that aspect of ourselves. You know, so we've got the, the personal majors. This is this is an aspect of who we are. We have the aspect of the magician, so the go-getter. I'm going to break these down. They're very simplistic, these explanations. So, you know, please don't think that these are in any way comprehensive. But, but the magician is the, go, you know, the going out and doing things, the go-getter, the experimenter, a bit princess of wands, really, in a way, um, the, the, but much more powerful the the thing that goes and makes things happen and then the high priestess which is you know that receptive energy the one that goes in so whereas the magician is outside the priestess goes in inside and works with that kind of intuition so she is also but she's more in the spaces she is the liminal space between the divine or the spiritual world and the physical world and then the empress being the physical world so that physical world is then overlaid on the high priestess and then able to work with the cycles of nature which is an overlay over intuition over spirit and then the emperor which is then about laying down the law in your world you know, it, it is that so you go from the laws, the, the cycles of nature to, you know, rules and regulations, legalities and all of that kind of stuff, um, you know, real estate, uh, all of that. So you've got you've got all of those things that then layer up on each other and then create this this person This starts to round out this this um, person with all of these different aspects but the Empress, I think, is, is the point where we, as spiritual beings, connect in with the world, with, with nature, but also with the invisible world of nature, you know, the, the cycles that aren't necessarily so visible around us. So that is the theme for this month. And it's an interesting one as well, because, of course, in the Northern Hemisphere, we're going into spring. And the Southern Hemisphere, um, you're going into autumn. And so there is very much, I think, spring and autumn, um, unlike the other sort of changes of seasons, are the ones that are quite noticeably shifting from one pole to the other. Um, The sun is shifting from one side of the world to the other. And um, and that is so that's also the theme for the month overall. 
Um, but Venus is also wherever that's placed. If you're a, if you're into astrology, that's placed in your chart, or um, is going to be key here as well. So the Venusian energy of coming back to life is also there. So, the, um, so while it is about cycles, it is also I think there is a particular given the princess of wands as well, with that sort of quite phallic um, energy, which can be also quite sexual, is the Venusian energy of procreation, of being able to um, connect in with a sensuality that is, that is very much embodied. It's not up in the mind, it's not put on, it is an extension of who you are. And, um, and so you have that yang wands and then this yin empress. So that is, it, it's, it's very much for me quite a personal, a personal reading, if you see what I mean. It's very much about the self. Um, and maybe that's actually the antidote or the medicine that is most needed right now for so many people is to turn the attention from outside to how it is that the cycles of life are in us and who it is that we are being, and how it is that we can connect in with our bodies, with that knowing, without necessarily understanding it. We don't need to be able to understand it and make spreadsheets out of it. Just connect in, not ask it too many questions of, you know, why is it that you're telling me this, or where is it that you come from, but what, rather, you know, what do I need to know? What do I need to know? That's the question that I think is one of the best ones when I do a tarot reading for somebody, which is working with intuition. Tell me what I need to know. So if you're ever in doubt, then then that's it, is link in with the body, use that princess of wands energy, be experimental in your approach, have a beginner's mind, ask that question. What do I need to know? And then wait for the answer, which may come immediately and it may not. But I am pretty certain that when it does, it, it, you will know it. So, so that's this month. It is, I think it's really a connecting in with oneself. Um, and then the tool card, you know, I mean, there's been quite a lot of um, agency in this already, but let's see what this is all about. So card number three, the tool card, is the five of wands. Um, which is strive in this deck, strife in um, other decks, but I like strive here. So we've got another wands card, we've got another energetic card. And um, I like this one because it is about endeavouring. It's endeavouring against what appear to be ridiculous odds, but that's not true. The striving itself are the things that change the odds. Um, so if you look at the card, you can see this, this sort of rock and there's almost like a, an airy magma underneath it where this light source is. There's always a, um, a light source in the wands cards and this light source is primarily under the ground, but it's also coming from each of the wands as well and from the hand that's coming through. Um, and so there is something about this energy under the ground that is feeling trapped, but then, and you know, can it break through? Is it able to break through? Is a breakthrough possible? My goodness, it feels impossible. Look at that. Look at all of that rock. And yet that hand breaks through. It is the, it is the willingness to strive that creates the breakthrough. And I think that that's the most important thing because because I love the fact that um, whether Rorig did this deliberately or not, 
the fact that the card says strive and not strife is almost that's all that the agency is just strive strive for it that's your agency card right there um, it's very simple very direct so if i go to the book that accompanies the um the deck um it says here it's a very short write-up it says challenges and tests of strength readiness to confront a situation yearning for harmony and success this is about the trying this is the standing up to the challenge it is taking that princess of wands really so you've connected in with that in the recent past and you have your intuition you have that ability to connect in to understand that you and your body and your instinct and your intuition are really um, very deep-seated and and connect you with everything including the deep past and you use all of that in order to shift your perspective so that you so that impossible come becomes possible it's not even that the impossible becomes possible it's just like i am going to go for it you know there is it's um it's not there is nothing else to do that that seems a little bit futile but rather it is um it is it's not even an intellectual exercise that's why i'm struggling to put words to it it is just strive that is, that's what it is. The The Princess of Wands is doing what she is doing because that is who she is. And the strive, that is what you do because that is what you do. It is the reaching. It is the optimism that, that reaches for that. Um, the readiness to confront a situation, the challenges and tests of strength, the yearning for harmony and success. I mean, those are wonderful things to strive for. And, and why not strive for them? I mean, if, if there's anything to strive for, then, then I think harmony and success are wonderful things to strive for. And that may be to do with um, what's going on in your personal life or in the lives of others around you or in the, the life of the world as a whole, or all three at the same time. But it's almost as if um, there is just that, that is what you are here for, is to strive for that. And then there is that, um, so there is that breakthrough. It is that that um, drive upwards. It's the same thing. I know that there's a sort of very hot molten feel to this, um, to this card, but actually I think that's the buzz of life itself that is under the surface that needs to break through. And it's the same idea of a plant breaking through the surface of, of, um, of a road, for example. Even a plant just breaking through the ground. I mean, it might not be that difficult, but that's what it does. It doesn't question. I mean, I, I cannot imagine the plant being under the surface of the road going, oh boy, this is going to be hard. I don't know if I want to try this. It just does it. It just does it. And then it succeeds. So what I would say is that in terms of what's going on this month, I would not be put off by what seems to be um, impossible or what you perceive as impossible or what you are told is impossible. Because, um, because I think that that's just one side of the argument. And I think that actually, given the fact that you have these vast reserves of knowledge and knowing and power in the Princess of Wands and in the Empress, that pioneering spirit of the Princess of Wands, but also the tapping into something that is primordial, but also incredibly present in the Empress, then actually that one side of the story of impossible becomes something else entirely. Um, and actually um, may just pale into insignificance next to the fact that you realize that this is what you were built for. 
is to um, is to strive because the striving is the thing which makes it possible to achieve what it is that needs to be achieved. Now, it may not look like you want it to look or it may not look like you were expecting it to look. My sense is that actually not attaching to a particular outcome is probably um, the, the best approach in this because, um, because I think we are very often limited by our imagination and we tend to imagine things that we know already. And the five of wands suggests new ground. There seems to be this, um, of having been in a different environment, sort of underground or in some way limited, hitting the ceiling, and then moving through with this arm reaching through, it suggests something new. So actually what you can imagine is only ever what you have thought was possible or what's in your realm of, of, of thought. So I wouldn't attach really too too strongly to um, to what an outcome looks like, um, but rather to be um, open, that beginner's mind, expectant about things, trusting, trusting that connection in particularly with your body. It's not really about trusting anything outside. The, the outside stuff takes care of itself. It's trusting and knowing your connection, knowing that you have access to this, knowing that the princess of wands is there to do what she does and knowing that you have the empress there, a very powerful figure, particularly in this card. I mean, I just love her. She's so damn regal. Um, and, and then really paying very little attention to anything other than your own particular journey in this because, of course, what follows the five of wands is the six of wands and then the seven of wands it continues the journey the six of wands continues the five there's a very visual flow to those three cards and and then that striving becomes this idea of success but success is secondary to the connection that connecting in don't think about the success so much that's you're not here for the success it's the, it's the striving that you're here for. You're here for the connection. You feel that connection, you know, more than half the work is done. And, um, and so this, this really is a, a, some kind of working towards a breakthrough, but one that is very internal. Um, as I said, it's defying words. I'm kind of moving my body here to get, to get my body around these, trying to find the words for it. But Trust that you'll know it when you feel it. And then when you do, then be open to where it is that it takes you or what it is that it's going to show you and the wisdom that it holds for you. Thank you very much for listening. And if you have any questions or comments as ever, then leave them in the comments box. If there is one available, you can also email me, sarah at integratedtarot.com. Otherwise, I will speak to you at the next new moon. Take very good care. Bye.